John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Michael Bumpus. Uh, So, Michael, big game coming up here against the Patriots. And I'm sure you studied the Patriots. And how good of a team do you think they are? Clearly, it's a different team. You know, they're down, what, five starters on defense. They've lost, you know, four of their top five uh, linebackers, two of their top three safeties, their right tackle, their receiving core isn't that much better than it was last year. But how good is this team? John, I think they're a solid team, right? It's kind of hard to really identify them playing the Miami Dolphins. They have a different offense, like you mentioned. They're missing missing a bunch of guys on defense, but this defense still created three turnovers last week against Fitzpatrick. Uh, Gilmore showed up. Phillips showed up as well. Offensively, it's a different look. You know, this reminds me of a um, Carolina Panther offense where they're allowing Cam Newton to make decisions. You read that DN. If he bites, you take it. If he doesn't, you give it to the running back. Um Edelman is still there. He's not your over-the-top type receiver, but he's consistent. He'll find space. So this is a good team right now, John. Um, a lot of things have to happen, right? Nikhil Harry has to step up and, and become a deep threat. Um, guys on defense have to continue to play well. And then we have to see what the progression of Cam Newton looks like throughout the rest of the season. I don't think this is the offense that's going to be played the rest of the year. I think they'll open it up as well. So after one week, John, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out whose teams are. But I think they're a solid team and need to be uh, can't be taken lightly. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, no question. That's the one thing that you don't want to do is take anybody lightly. Uh, and particularly, you know, a team is uh, on a Sunday night, Patriots. And I think that's the one thing that's good about this team. They didn't they wouldn't take anybody lightly. Uh, philosophy, the phil- I know that uh, they let Russ cook people are going crazy thinking, oh, yeah, well, they're going to continue to pass the ball like this. With the coverage uh, units that are out there for a Patriot team, that, you know, in many ways uh, mirrors what the Seahawks want to do, build from the back to the front on defense. Uh, how, what, how do you think the offensive philosophy is going to change from last week? You know, John, I think the Patriots are preparing for a team that threw the ball 35 times that had a quarterback complete almost 89% of his passes. So, I feel like they're going to do things in the secondary to try to take that away. If you look at the New England defense, um, they like man. They play some man, and they'll get aggressive when you have the reigning defensive player of the year in Gilmore. Uh, You can do things like that. So I think they are preparing for what they saw last week. Um, But I think the Hawks are going to come out and show more balance. You know, They are still a run-first team. I think at this point it's kind of hard to say, okay, this is the new offense. This is what they're going to do. You know, I think they saw something. They took advantage of it. But I also think that they're capable of running the football. So um, if I'm the Patriots, I'm preparing for what I saw on film. But you can't forget, you still got Chris Carson back there. You still have Carlos Hyde. Uh, you still have Dwayne Brown, you potty, uh, an offensive line that, that seems like they could do something once they start to gel, John. Yeah, no doubt. And that's why I think that the, the strategy is going to be more two tight end sets. You know, certainly you can see a little bit more in last week's game, but uh, you know, there'll be even more because the yeah, idea is here, here's a Patriot team that has three really good coverage cornerbacks. And so it's like, okay, if you can take one off the field, uh, you're, you're taking a little bit of their strength away. And also you have bigger bodies and more unpredictability out of two tight ends. Yeah, and I like the two tight end set, especially when you have Will Disley and Greg Olson. You know, Disley only had a couple of catches, but he still contributed. Olson obviously had his touchdown. Um, it it makes the game more physical, and I think the Hawks are, are okay with playing a physical game when you get inside that box. And and like I said, you have two running backs back there who haven't really gotten a chance to show what they can do. 
And so um, I anticipate them to come out and run the football. I expect, you know what, John, I expect them to do whatever is available. I think they'll come out and try to establish the run early. But as the game goes along, it starts to form its identity. And if things are open in the pass game, they'll take their shots. If things are open in the run game, they'll do that as well. So um, initially, I expect them to come out and run the rock. But as the game unfolds, things change. What did you like about what you saw on Sunday in the game against Atlanta? Uh, Offensively or defensively? Both. Both. Um, Offensively, I liked the screen game. Um, I feel like that's a way to get the ball into your playmakers' hands early and allow them to use their attributes. There's not a lot of scheming that goes on in screen plays. You get it to your guy. Um, you get some guys on the second level to try to block it and, and make lanes for this guy, but you allow them to go. You know, We saw them do that with David Moore, with, uh, with Chris Carson, and I expect to see more of that. Uh, defensively, I just like the way they let Jamal get after him. I believe he had, what, 10 pressures on the quarterback, John, and and was was really active and allowed him to be himself. I didn't feel like they were making him conform to what they like to do, which last year we would say they were super conservative, didn't blitz a lot, and just tried to keep everything in front. Now, in the secondary, they still tried to keep everything in front, but they allowed just Jamal Adams to get loose. So now I want to see how the the Patriots defend that. You know, I feel like last week I um, was talking with Nassar Chobie, uh, the Atlanta Falcons just let him roam. You know, they just let him do his thing. So I want to see what the pass do to slow him down. Yeah, no doubt. And that's going to be, you know, interesting to watch. Uh, boy, uh, we we watched in practice Russell Wilson looking better. And I don't know if he can be any better than he was against the Falcons. Yeah, it's going to be hard to duplicate that. And it's that has to be tough on, I guess, the fans week one to see Russell do that because now it's an expectation, right? But right. we have to be realistic. This is football. There's going to be some tough games. He might only throw the ball 25 times. And if he, he completes somewhere around 70% of his pass instead of 89%, you take that. As long as he takes care of the football, you take that. Um, so Russell Wilson just needs to be consistent. Does he have to complete 89% of his passes? No, I don't think so. If he does anything similar to what he did last year, um, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, but I think I think he's going to be fine this year. Uh, what did you like about the defense, or what things are you concerned about on the defense? Uh, concern? Uh, I like I would like to see the interior lineman just get a bit more pressure. Uh, you know, Benson Mayo on the edge um, got a sack, and Jamal Adams got a sack. But you know, I especially this week, it's going to be essential that Puna Ford and Jerry Reed clog those gaps. You look at this New England offense; they run that read option. They get they get Cam up the A gaps and the B gaps, and that's where the big boys play. You know, so I like to see them take care of those gaps and allow Bobby Wagner to work. If they can clog those gaps and have these guys improvise or bounce outside or or, or try to cut back and hit another gap, that allows. Bobby Wagner to roam and scrape down and, and fill the, the vacant gaps and make tackles. So uh, interior linemen, you know, they didn't play bad last week, but as every week, you know, as we play every week, I like to see him step up a bit. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, of course, uh, you, you, what do you think of Benson Mayoa? Um, I, I thought he had a great debut as a Seahawk. You, know, you go out there, you get a couple pressures, you get a sack. Um, he looked good. He did exactly what he was brought here to do, and that was to get sacks. Now, um, everyone gets beat. No one plays a perfect game. There's always some things he can work on, um, setting the edge um, when, when that's his responsibility. But uh, as a debut for a Seahawk, one sack, you'll take it. Oh, yeah, no doubt, and that was a pretty pretty good start by him. Boy, uh, we watched it all through practice this summer. Uh, people then were able to see what Jamal Adams can do, and <clears throat> in fact, he what, blitzed 11 times, had four pressures, yeah. one sack. I mean, how good is this safety? Man, he's good, John. I, you know, I knew he was good, and I, I knew he would come out and have a solid game, but 
I didn't expect that type of performance, John. Did you? I, no. I just I, I thought he played above and beyond what my expectations were going to be, and um, he's a guy who just looks comfortable. You know, he it doesn't look like the game's too fast. It doesn't look like there's a play he's he's hesitant about. I mean, even when he makes a mistake, he ran into Shaq and gave up that that touchdown um, late later in the game, but he bounces back and and still is still making plays. There was. Every play, if you could watch Jamal Adams every single play, you would see him around the football, whether the football is way across the other side of the field, um, whether it's, it's he's running down or running back on the backside. He's always around the football field, and that's fun to watch. Yeah, and of course, I thought what was good is that Pete Carroll brought up what I think we all watched, too, is that Bobby Wagner may have had his best game in coverage in passing situations, uh, really praised the way he was able to play in that regard. Yeah, and how how great is that, John? I mean... Bobby Wagner had one of his best games and coverages, and we're not even talking about it because there's another guy who was out there making plays. And that just shows you that the more guys, the more guys you got who can stand out and who can make plays, it takes less pressure off of guys. Last year, we're, our, our focal point was Bobby. Bobby has to hold this down. Bobby has to do that. Now Bobby has some help. I mean, those guys were helping out last year, but now he has superstar-type help. So um, he, had, he led the league, league in tackles last year, and people thought he had a down year. I wonder what we'll be saying about him around week eight or nine. Yeah, I think we're going to be saying a lot of good things. And so, and again, they gave up the yards, but, of course, those were kind of junk yards and all those things. And so now it's a matter of just uh, having a good game. And how tough is it going to be to try to stop the uh, Patriots' running offense? Um, I, I, it's going to be tough. It's tough if guys don't just do their job because when you run the offense that the Patriots run – it's about deception. It's about allowing Cam Newton to be right, you know, allowing him to read the defense and pull and throw those RPOs. So it's just it's going to present a different challenge. I think this week these guys really have to be tacklers. You know, last week the ball was on the perimeter a lot, uh, out in open space, skill guy versus skill guy. This game's going to look different. This is going to be a Bobby Wagner KJ Wright type game to where these guys are going to have 10 to 12 tackles. They're going to have some run stuff, some third and second. You know, it's going to be a tougher type game. So it's a different challenge. But as long as these guys are disciplined and they just do their job, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, no doubt. And so that's, I think, going to be kind of fun to watch. And it's going to be Sunday night football here. Uh, everything does look as though they should be able to play the game because I know that the AGI is now down to 175, at least as of about an hour or so ago. And it's supposed to get a little bit of rain. So it should clear up. There'll be some smoke and some problems. But again, the big problem right now for Seattle is just trying to contain Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But always great to talk to you, Michael Bumpus, and thanks for joining us. All right, John. Have a good one, man. Hey, be sure, to, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to uh, get the report card out and, of course, uh, you know, get your chance to get uh, some grades going. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And of course, with the report card, we get to look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take social media comments. We'll also take the voices and uh, get a, attach a grade to it. And of course, uh, DJ Wilder, who's going to be filling in here and running this show for the uh, next two and a half weeks while Curtis Rogers gets some surgery. Uh, what do we have, DJ? All right, so first up, some good news here. Um, last week, of course, with the Texans and Chiefs uh, playing each other to debut the 2020 NFL season on Thursday Night Football, their COVID-19 tests have come back from that week, and all Texans and Chiefs players, coaches, and team employees from week one, those tests have all come back negative. 
So, John, what grade do you give the NFL on how they're handling this so far? I give them an A plus. I mean, you know, to, to be able to go this far in, and you know, you still like there's about four players that uh, are still in the COVID's program right now under quarantine, and most of those will be cleared up. But no, I give them a lot of credit because uh, you know to go through, and there's only like about 120 guys total that ended up in you know it was like 56 of them that came in you know from uh, the beginning of training camp. So they've, they've done a remarkable job and so congratulations and you would have to think that things are only going to be enhanced coming up because they're starting I think now to get those NBA tests you know with the tests that uh, NBA players sponsored and did a great job and they can get the results in like three hours so bravo to the NFL I have to give it an A plus same here John I gotta give it the highest grade possible A or an A plus however people you know make their report cards and everything but I just I am surprised at how well this works over now we'll see how what the test results are from this past Sunday and this past Monday. We'll see those test results. But for right now, this is a great start. I, I was very skeptical on how they were going to do this, especially without a bubble. Like you are saying, the NBA, the NHL, the WNBA has been doing great. Really, ever since the first batch of the tests when people were coming in and they were testing positive. But after that, they've had no positive tests. And the NFL has gone off to the best start they could have possibly gone off to. Now, some... Bad news coming out from there is there there was a Chiefs fan. Chiefs fans are being told to quarantine after a person that attended the game tested positive for COVID nineteen. So I ask you, John, like, is it really is it possible that we could see fans like even in a limited capacity, like at a stadium, like the Chiefs that are allowing fans or the Jaguars? Are they? Do you think they're really going to be able to? be able to have fans at their games for the rest of the season it looks like it i mean it's got to be small amounts i saw that uh, tennessee they're going to have like uh, 7500 to 8000 fans at uh, their next home game or in a, in a couple weeks and so i think they'll slowly try to you know incorporate that and try to get some guys in there so yeah and the people in the stands but you know slow but sure take one step at a time and now we're going to have to judge this chiefs thing because all you have was the chiefs and the jaguars we haven't heard anything from the jaguars the chiefs released at one person did end up getting the uh, the virus and so we as long as they can do it but uh, no i think that, that right now things are going smooth i mean you know now the talk is more okay getting fans in the stands as opposed to being able to play the games you can see that they can play the games and come out with uh, virtually no positive test now it's a matter of seeing how the fans can react I'm just happy with how it's going so far. And the Titans are going to start um, allowing fans, I think, at the beginning of October when they host the Steelers. I think that's their first or second home game. They're going to start allowing fans. So that's going to be very interesting to watch as well. Yeah. All right. Next up here, John. Tiki Barber, former NFL running back, had has a hot take about Saquon Barkley, and I'd like you to take a listen. Saquon Barkley, he might not be an every down back. He he cannot pass protect. Whoa. And, and it is it is Whoa. it is starting to become glaring. It's it's probably the only issue he had to deal with coming into the NFL. Mm. He wasn't asked to do it at Penn State. And now you see him diving on the ground, not sticking his head in people's chest. Uh, it, it's 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 going to show it's going to be a liability because people see it now. It's on tape and it's going to come out. Um, but on the other side, Big wow. ben, I was surprised. I'm not that's a big was, statement, by the way. That's a big not, statement. Not really. Yeah, the guy was drafted top five. Yeah. But if you watch him, if you've watched him for the last couple of years, he doesn't want to block. And, and if you are if you don't, I, I learned this early on in my career because I was a third down back before I was a, a star running back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So if you can't block. You can't be on the field on third down. You just can't. Saquon Barkley is not wow. an every down back, according to Tiki Barber. 
John, what's your grade on um, Tiki's analysis here? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to give it a B because it, it's pretty insightful. I mean, he's watched it. I mean, he knows it. And you can see that that can be an issue. And so every down backs have to have the ability to protect the quarterback. And if you can't do it, and certainly he didn't do it in the first game when the Steelers blitzed like crazy, blitzed him, blitzed everything. And so that, that's got to be an issue and something they've got to figure out because, you know, you don't want the quarterback exposed, particularly a young quarterback like Daniel Jones and get him banged up like that. So I think that's a, a very insightful type of thing. And, you know, Barkley did not have a good game, but boy, he is a great running back. But if it's only going to be a two down running back, that's got to be a big change. Especially with him being a top 10 pick in, in his draft, that, in yeah. the 2018 draft, for sure. But, but, but here's what I wonder about. How much of this is uh, Tiki Barber, who does have a little bit of an ego, we all know that from his days playing, and likes to talk about himself a lot, you know, doing it to a giant team that he used to play for, and basically uh, taking the position, it's like, oh, you think Barkley's better than me? I'm wondering if that's going to be a little bit into it, too. Okay, that's that's a really good point. I have to give it a C. Like you said, John, very insightful analysis from Tiki Barber, which is, of course, what you want from these former just professional athletes who are given a platform on these shows or podcasts or anything. You want to be able to learn something from them. That's what I, I really enjoy that. But also, I feel like he should take into account the when it was the last time the Giants had a really good offensive line. When, when, like To me... I feel like a lot of pressure, especially on third and longs, if, if Saquon Barkley is asked to pass block and, you know, if the, if the defense dials up a blitz, the offensive line already struggles. They, they, they've been struggling for, you could say, the last three or four seasons now. Maybe a lot of pressure is being put on Saquon Barkley when a lot of pressure shouldn't really be put on a running back as much as has been put on him maybe. But that's just my thought. I don't know. You, you could definitely speak better on that than I could. Yeah. All right, next up, John, Falcons defensive coordinator Raheem Morris had his press conference yesterday talking about they weren't really game planning for Russell Wilson. They weren't really expecting the, uh, him to really do much. Here's uh, here's an audio. Here's an audio cut for you. You know, we went out, we challenged these guys to stop the run, and we presented them with a big-time run package, and we put the guys up there, and we went there, we're not going to let 32 beat us, and we're just going to knock them back and not get mushed around and make this game ugly. Um, and a lot of that, you know, you can solely blame. Like I said, I put it on myself, uh, gave these guys a little too much credit in the run game and not enough credit in the pass game. And and they absolutely beat us. Didn't give any credit in the passing game. He's the second best quarterback in the league. Yeah. Russell Wilson is. What grade do you give Raheem Morris's game playing here, John? I uh, have to give it a D because, uh, you know, it just didn't seem like they had anything to figure out. And, of course, if you're not game planning as much against Russell Wilson when you have two young cornerbacks like that, then you're going to be really in trouble. So I really take a look at that and say, what are you talking about here? I mean, you need to do the best job you can. And, again, if you're not – I mean, remember, this is – you've got a defensive head coach. He's a new coordinator replacing uh, a coordinator that, uh, you know, really kind of messed things up last year when they want more hybrid than anything else. It's like, hey uh, – uh, you you got a game plan, and if he's not game planning, you know, why are you the defensive coordinator? I, and I like Raheem a lot, but that comment is just is crazy. Yeah, that's not something you should really share publicly, right, John? Yeah. Like, I, I, have, I have to give him an F. I mean, Russell Wilson, even though I know we talked about this on the morning show, and it was a great point by Jess saying, like, well, what what have the Seahawks been doing? Yes, they've been running, been run first. Yeah, totally. Like, I I would want to stop Chris Carson too, but I feel like you've got to take into account as well Russell Wilson being 
if not if he's not the best quarterback, he's the second best quarterback in the NFL, right behind Patrick Mahomes. So you, I feel like you really you have to circle him on a game plan, just like you circle someone like Jamal Adams or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. I feel like you should never really just, oh, uh, you know, we're not gonna game plan for a quarterback, even if it's someone like Daniel Jones. You got a game plan for a quarterback. Just, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, kind of crazy. But of course, uh, you know, you start saying things like that and it's going to double back, you know, to the owner and he's going to start questioning a lot of things, too. Particularly, you know, this is a Falcon team that needs to win for Dan Quinn and even the general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, to be able to stay employed with the team. Again, there's not going to be changes during the season, but there may be changes in the offseason. You better game plan. All right, John, that's all the time we got for grades. Okay, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Text us at 710-710. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Here's a reminder that the Seahawks will take on the Patriots this Sunday on 710 ESPN Seattle. That means that you can hear the Mariners game in its entirety on 770 KTTH. Okay, it is now time to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. Text us, 710-710. Here we go. John from the 360, do you think the Bengals have a shot to win it tonight? I do. I mean, right now, we, we don't know how good the uh, Cleveland Browns really are. I mean, they got off to such a terrible start. You'd have to think that, you know, they might be okay and be able to do some things. But overall, I think over you, you take a look and you say, wait a second, how's this going to go and how's this going to be? So I think right now, you know, the Bengals, they had a good game on the road against the, uh, you know, the Chargers last week, and the Chargers are a much better team. I wouldn't write them off. I really like this question here from the 253. Why is Russell Wilson regarded second to Mahomes when Russell has more records, more Super Bowl appearances, mm-hmm. and years in the NFL? I guess uh, the big thing is is that uh, you know he has now one Super Bowl ring and Russell has one Super Bowl ring and you just look at the fact that uh, you know he can throw the 50 touchdown passes not necessarily the 35 but again I think it's a great argument right now and I think that's a great point that's being raised because I mean you look since uh, Russell's come into the league in 2012 I mean he's won more games than any other quarterback other than maybe Tom Brady and so maybe that can be the case but let's put it this way number one or number two He's still that good. I guess what it comes down to is the fact that, you know, here's Mahomes that's established himself at the Russell Wilson level, and he's only two years as a starter, and he's 24 years old. From the 518, wow, checking in from New York. What's your impression of the potential trade market and value for OBJ? Um, it's got to be somewhere there. I mean, you know, I don't think a, t- a team like San Francisco can afford it, and it's going to be tough to take on that $18 million bite. But let's say, for example, you're a team like Indianapolis that got off to a bad start, but you have a lot of cap room. Maybe if you're a team like Jacksonville, you might try to do it. But, you know, teams with cap room will be able to try to do it. Uh, question is going to be what price. But, of course, if you're going to be Jacksonville, you're going to ruin a chance, even though you won the first week, of getting a high draft choice next year. From the 801, John, the Seahawks defense seems to be getting some heat for Atlanta's 400 plus passing yards that last Sunday. Should that be more blame? Should that be blamed more in a more in a catch-up situation, or should we be worried about the secondary? No, I mean, how can you worry about the secondary? The secondary is, you know, one of the most talented in the league, and these were garbage yards. I mean, again, it's like that—that's a stat thing, not necessarily a game thing. All I know is, in a game like this, where they had total control, it was much like they did last. 
last year, uh, although it was much closer at the end last year in Atlanta, is that uh, Pete Carroll and Danny O'Neill is the one that dug this stat out, is 8-0 and when you pass for more than 400 yards, the opposing quarterbacks. Don't worry about the stats. Worry about the wins. From the 907, John, what's the word on George Kittle's health? Uh, questionable right now. I mean, you can see that there's definitely some issues there in the sense that, uh, you know, you don't know if he's going to go. He didn't practice yesterday. The knee's bothering him. And boy, I mean, could it be now? There was a lot of thought that maybe Arizona could go into a banged-up receiving group like San Francisco and outscore them. But now, could you imagine in the next two weeks, down cornerbacks, Kittle maybe, the receiving core, could they go one and one on the road against the Jets and the Giants? It could happen, and all of a sudden, uh, Seattle's in even that much better shape. You hope the 49ers could go 2-0 and against those teams, but we don't, we don't know. The injuries keep piling up. For I never, them thought, I never thought Indy was going to lose to Jacksonville, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people thought that. Maybe just Jim Moore because of Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, from the 509, John, do you think the Seahawks have a good chance of being 5-0 and at their bye week with some tough games in there with, of course, New England this Sunday, Dallas at Miami, and Minnesota? I think so, yeah, because uh, you know, they, they very well could be. You know, I thought maybe they get off to a 4-1 and one start, but they can be 5-0 and oh going into the bye week. I think that's a definite possibility because you know Dallas is going to be on the road. I know there's not much home field advantage, but you know they, they have underachieved as far as scoring despite the talent that they have, and so you know, the Seahawks defense will have to play a good game there, but if they can get past that, you, know, you figure it should be a one-way type, one type of game against Miami with Seattle's favor, and Minnesota, I mean, look, they gave up uh, 43 points to Aaron Rodgers and you know they still have injuries on defense so they could be 5-0 and yeah from the 2-5-3 John if you could add one former Seahawk to this current roster in their prime who would it be hmm you had to think about who would be the best uh, pass rush guy. I mean, maybe a Cliff Averill. I think you know that would be something at least in the last uh, decade that you know you can have. Uh, certainly, you'd like to have that good run stopper too. But I think they're okay with what they have right now. But I'd have to say, if you want to add one thing, it would be who would be in the last ten years. I mean, would it be Michael Bennett? But he's the five technique. I think Cliff Averill would be the one that uh, would be you know, be a nice fit. Let's see. From the 253, hey, John, after seeing the Titans play Monday night, what did you think of Clowney's performance? I mean, I, I thought it was a good start. I mean, <clears throat> didn't get the pressure on the quarterback, but of course, you know, to be out there and play as many plays as he did, having no training camp, I thought it was a very respectable start. And I think that you can see that as time goes on, they're going to move him around more. And, you know, Mike Vrabel seems to have a good feel for it. So I think he's going to be fine. From the 253, will Tony Romo be a Hall of Fame candidate? Uh, candidate, yeah. I don't think he's going to make it because you know doesn't have that Super Bowl ring attached to him, but I think he'll be a candidate, no question. Let's see. From the 206, John, would you ever consider playing fantasy football? Does it even pique your interest? No, I, can't, I just don't have the time. I mean, you know, I, I'm fortunate in the sense that I had always had a good Q rating on fantasy, particularly when I was doing, you know, inside the huddle notes because I was always, you know, putting out all the notes as far as, you know, what guys are going to be carries and stuff like that. But I just don't have the time. I remember I did it once and it just drove me crazy because I'd be on a Wednesday trying to do 15 different things and that was the 16th. And so, no. I, I, I have a fantasy following, but I'm not going to follow myself into fantasy. 
from the 253. Is Jordan Brooks going to get more opportunities, or can we expect him to have limited snaps for his rookie year? Uh, it's going to be limited for a while, but they'll increase it as time goes on. You know, Right now, they're so loaded at the linebacker position you know, because you know they have Bruce Irvin on the early downs. They have certainly K.J. Wright, but I think they're going to gradually break him in, and they did that a lot with rookies all around the National Football League in Week 1. A little change up here from the four two five. John, after the Los Angeles Clippers gave up a three one lead to the Nuggets, it's Doc Rivers on the hot seat. I don't think so. I think he's too good of a coach, and uh, but you know, it certainly has got to warm the seat up a little bit because that's now three times he's lost three one leads in a uh, in a in a playoff, and that's not good. And particularly with the team that he has around him. But I hope they stand by Doc Rivers. I like him as a coach. From the 509, John, who wins the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes? Mm, I thought it was going to be Jacksonville with Washington in the number two hole, but now what you start to wonder about, you know, because you know Jacksonville has a, a little, little bit of an easy start to the schedule. I mean, very well could it be the New York Jets? Could that be a possibility? Because right now they're 32 in my most recent voting. Speaking of Washington, from the 253, could the Washington football team make the playoffs? No, come on. I can't <laughs> see that happening. It's like, you know, they're, that's, I mean, here's a team that just about everybody projected to be, you know, the second worst team in football. And so uh, make the playoffs, there's no way. I don't see it. I'd like to see it for Ron Rivera because I like him a lot, and he's fighting the cancer and doing the best job. But remember, they caught Philly at the right time. Philly had problems at wide receiver. They had problems with three starters out on the offensive line, and so they gave up eight sacks. 509 here has got a really good player who they would add in their prime, and I kind of agree with them, especially if, he, if Dwayne Brown could move to right tackle or if this guy could play right tackle. Walter Jones, what do you think, John? Oh, gee, it's kind of a no-brainer to say, hey, let's put a Hall of Famer in there, and he was a Hall of Fame guy, uh, but uh, but you know, obviously that can't happen, but uh, Walter Jones would be fantastic because, again, I mean, he was so natural. He was It was so much fun to be able to vote him in in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Walter would be great. What was it, only eight holding penalties his whole career or something? Yeah, and, like and, 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 like, the, and the story that I think is just amazing is because of some internal issues, he couldn't take any pain medication. I mean, he couldn't take pain medication, couldn't take any uh, Advil or couldn't take any uh, that. And so he had to play with a lot of pain and suffered through it and made it, and he made it all right. From the 253, John, who is the third greatest wide receiver of all time behind Jerry Rice and Randy Moss? Mm, third greatest of all time? Uh, I don't. I wouldn't have Randy Moss as the second best. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I disagree on that one. But I got. I have to really kind of think through that right now. But Jerry Rice obviously was number one, and I, I have to take a pass on that for trying to figure it out. Last question here, John, from the 425. Is Jonathan Taylor going to have a breakout game here soon for the Colts? He better, because now he doesn't have Marlon Mack to uh, go into one-two punch because Mack had the Achilles injury, and he's out for the season. So, yeah, I'd have to think that uh, you know that can be one that uh, they need it, but I think he's good enough to be able to do it. Two five three here with a good point here. Cortez Kennedy, that would be that Cortez would, would be the that, yeah, yes. that would be the defensive tackle. That yeah. would be it. All right, John, is all the time we got for Tex. Okay, so coming up, we got our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. John Clayton, powered through the Alaska Airline Studios, on demand with the seven ten Seattle Sports app. And time for our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby and. You know, the twists and turns of this baseball season for the Mariners, you know, really got, <clears throat> got strange this week. You know, we got the smoke that caused the problems, and all of a sudden, what was supposed to be a, ni- a, a giant home game against the San Francisco Giants turned into a road game, and 
clearly uh, this team's not as good in the road games as they are at home. And so now all of a sudden they're now 22 and 27 still in the race. And uh, they need a victory this afternoon coming up right after the show over the Giants just to stay in this race against the Astros. Well, the tough thing about it was the fact that they um, had to travel on a game day, which is something that doesn't normally happen in baseball. And, you know, all that having been said, John, and they are five games under 500 and, and do need to win. They're still just two games behind the Astros, and they've got several games still coming up with the Astros. So hope springs eternal. Yep, can't give up on them yet. Uh, and <clears throat> it's, it's interesting. I think now what you're seeing is that uh, the drain on some of the starting pitching because of the injuries and even in the bullpen. Now, again, I think the bullpen of late has really done a good job. Uh, didn't last night, but uh, you know when you have uh, Marco Gonzalez out there, that looks good. Kikuchi's looked good. And so it's not like the six starters that they started the season with, but starting pitching you know, has weakened a little bit with some of the injuries. Agreed. And, um, you know, the, the, that was, we, we knew that pitching was going to be the issue for this team, in particular in the bullpen. And, and it's not surprising that it is. And, you know, the Giants have, you know, they're another team that kind of um, failed on the season and find themselves still in this, this weird, different pennant race where you've got the top two teams from each division going regardless of record. Yeah, no doubt. And so now that's going to be the challenge. But, boy, they do need that win today just so you don't fall too down because you start to run out of time. But I right. give this team credit. Again, I think we both had it pinned down that they'd win 22 games. We just didn't think it was going to be this early, even though it is getting later in the season. No, I mean, the fact that they've actually been in the, been in the race is uh, is a testament. Uh, and it's surprising. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately very rare we're talking about even in a shortened season, uh, even this season, where uh, in, in September, the middle of September, we're talking pennant race. It just hasn't happened enough around here. No, no doubt about it. Uh, what's your thoughts on bringing some of the top prospects up uh, to at least get a little taste of things? You know, like, uh, to, and I, I, I guess the feeling that's just not going to happen. No, I'm, I'm not for it. I, I, you know, it's starting the clock. It's, it's, I don't see the point in it. I, I understand that. You know, I can see the logic behind saying, hey, you know, you, you got a shot at being in the postseason this year, but it's a long shot to, to be sure. And, and I, 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 for one, are on the side of, of letting him wait, letting him wait till next year, full season, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd be on the photo side on this one waiting. Yeah. And of course, I, the question is going to be if you are bringing these young players up, what can they do? Because again, this is a whole new, different environment, and it's not like they've had a real minor league season. Exactly. Exactly. I, I just uh, I, I don't think it makes sense to do it, and I don't think they're going to do it. Nope, I don't think so either. Uh, as you look back at the, some of the NBA uh, playoffs and that, how amazed are you? Because uh, I'm, I'm still shaking my head that the Clippers would blow a three-one lead that uh, and you know lose out and not make an advance to take on the Lakers, and that uh, Milwaukee just really folded. Well, and that Miami who was in the lottery last year is 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 one up on Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean that's 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 pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I think um, disappointing as it is for the Clippers, I, I give Denver a lot of credit. Uh, you know, they 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 did not give up in that series. They've got talent and they hung in there and, and played very well. And and I, I can see them giving the Lakers a real battle because uh, you know they've got such interesting matchups and you've got you know the quote unquote hot hand and. And Jamal Murray, a guy who's playing out of his head, is playing extremely well. It was very, very good series for those guys, again, to, to make that rally against the Clippers. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I mean, 
the idea that you'd have Denver and Miami in the, in the in the in the Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference Finals, respectfully, and could possibly meet in the NBA Finals is just unbelievable. So um, it's uh, it, it's something that the NBA doesn't normally get, which is you know the, the chalk, quote unquote, the, the absolute favorites not necessarily coming home. And you know, I don't think anyone would necessarily be surprised if you watch that first Miami Boston game, that overtime win for for the Heat, and, and watch the impact that Jimmy Butler has. It's not a big shock if they win that series, in my opinion. How would you describe the quality of play during the playoffs? Because I think I've been I've been pleased. I have too. I mean, look, I'm glad Houston's out. I can't stand the way they play, and and I think still too much. You know, you saw it in, in the in the Boston Miami game when when they went for I, I I forget who it was who took the final shot to Tatum, I believe. But you know, you just dribble out 20 seconds and have a guy shoot a 35 footer. I mean, there's too much of that in the NBA. Uh, that's what Houston was all about. That's you know Boston got got wound up losing in overtime because of adopting that strategy. You still have too much of that, but um, you know that having been said, you know Denver's got the best passing big man we've seen in a long time. They're a fun team to watch. The other clubs are fun to watch, and I would agree with you that the caliber of play have got, has gotten good. But uh, again, I'm I'm really glad. I really do not like the dribble 20 seconds off the clock and fire a three mentality that seems to pervade the NBA. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, and what uh, what what's new on the hockey scene? Uh, game six tonight of the Islanders in Tampa, which which is is turning out to be a pretty good series. The Islanders, I believe, it was double overtime in the last game, survived and and forced the game six. And they're a team that hasn't been in the postseason much uh, in, in recent years. They've got some momentum going for them. Tampa is, um, you know, they're they're good, uh, and that that's you know Todd Lewicki, who's of course involved with the Kraken. Uh, is has been uh, instru- instrumental in, in in helping put together that that organization and and the way they go about their business is very good. They're they're a top flight organization, but uh, the Islanders have got a shot at it. And, and Dallas is in the meantime, uh, they're waiting. They dispatched Vegas fairly easily, and they're waiting for the finale. So uh, you got a game six tonight, and and uh, fingers crossed that we'll see a game seven. Yeah, no. then you got the Battle of Ohio tonight too, right? You do Cleveland going against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and just like you know, last week there was a glimmer of hope that uh, Arizona could go into San Francisco and win. I mean, as bad as the Browns played last week, and you figure they should win this one and win it substantially, I wouldn't rule out the Bengals because they almost won the Charger game on the road with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, they, with, with Joe Burrow, and and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's. It's um it's interesting to see that matchup. You know, the, the hope is for both of those franchises who have been fairly uh, fairly downtrodden over the Browns more so than the Bengals that that these guys can can make it happen for them. And Burrow in particular is is uh you know is is a is an Ohio boy born and raised and and uh, got a lot of people in Cincinnati very excited. So it'll be uh, interesting to see. It's it's uh it's hopefully a match of the future. And I would agree with you that I think. Cincinnati's got a great shot in this game. Yeah, they really do, and of course, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Well, how do you read the? Because I think there's probably an overreaction that uh, you know ratings, except for a couple of the big Fox games, are down a little bit compared to the first week of last year. Well, the big difference is, John, you've got NBA playoffs, you've got NHL playoffs, you've got uh, you know you've got different different things going on that you wouldn't normally have going on at this point, and and I don't think I don't take it much more seriously than that. I think you've had some eyes on some other games uh, and and some other, catching up on some other sporting events and I imagine as as, as those those things fade away, you're going to see the NFL do just fine. But you know the NBA Finals will will track some some audience away from them. There's 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 plenty of more plenty more conflicts coming up. The Stanley Cup not as much, but but it will do some. And it's just 
I think it's much more a matter of that that taking place now than anything else. Yeah, no doubt, and I think I don't think there's any worry. And of course, uh, you know, each day there seems to be new announcements on you know carriage uh, type of uh, deals. Like you know, now they they get 1.5 billion out of uh, you know Directv for Sunday Ticket, but then you know Dish signed up. You know, they were able to get uh, YouTube, and you know they got so many new spots, new new areas, or different areas all coming with streaming, and streaming is becoming a big part of this for money. Absolutely is, absolutely will be, and and the NFL is going to be just fine, as you said. Yeah, I think that uh, that's going to be good. Uh, okay, again, going back to the Mariners, how important is this game today? Very, <laughs> to put a fine point on it, uh, very important that they that they I, I think you know kind of turn around the momentum a little bit, uh, staggering a little bit because of the travel and 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 the unexpected trip um, against the guy who really shut him down the last time. So. Uh, it would be nice to turn the tables and come up with a victory today. Okay. That's our Daily Dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. We'll talk again tomorrow. Sounds good, John. All right. And, of course, Mariner baseball coming up next. And, of course, Cincinnati and the Bengals, uh, Cincinnati and the Cleveland Indians coming up, or the Cleveland Browns coming up next. But, of course, get ready for Mariner baseball going against the San Francisco Giants. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.